welcome to the UNT BSM audio resources. If you want more information on the BSM, you can go to untbsm.com. Thanks for listening. Welcome to the first night of Connect Worship. I'm glad you guys are here. Uh, my name is Brady, for those of you who I haven't had a chance to meet yet. Um, and yeah, we've been praying for this moment for a long time. So, so thank you for being here. Uh, I'm a little bit nervous because my first time being here with you guys on staff, I was around a little bit uh, once last year to get to know some of you guys. It's my first time here teaching uh, at UNC. I'm a little bit nervous, like I said, but I'm not as nervous as I was uh, last Sunday when I was proposing to my girlfriend. So you guys, thank you, thank you, thank you. I wish, I wish she was here. You would, uh, if you didn't believe in miracles before that, you would after seeing uh, her and me together. Um, so, man, that was just, that was completely off the top of my head. Wow. Um, so, yeah, but you, you guys are pretty, but you're not as pretty as her. Um, so, yeah, I am new. Like I said, I, I, I served at the BSM uh, at UT Dallas for five years, and I was at Sam Houston for a little while, and then even going back to my time uh, in college when I was a student leader. So BSM is really important to me, and for those of you who are kind of new to all this, uh, I hope that it's an encouraging uh, thing for you and that you guys uh, feel welcomed and loved, because I assure you uh, that's our hope for you, is that you find a place where you can belong, that you can uh, get a chance to worship. Uh, did any of you guys see Travis and think, where do I know that guy from? You probably know him from his famous Little Sebastian rendition that he did. Um, that's, that's a Parks and Rec reference. Um, but yeah, no, seriously, if you're new, um, man, I have like a lot of respect for you. I know it can be a little intimidating coming into a place uh, where you don't know a lot of people. And so, so yeah, we hope you guys feel really welcomed and cared for. So um, last week, Stephanie, if you were here, she laid out kind of a vision for who we are as a ministry, talked a little bit about some of the different programs. If you weren't here and, and you're still a little bit confused as to who we are or, or what it is we do, you can find that video online on our website. Um, but for tonight, we're going to jump into our actual study over the book of Acts. Um, and so I want to give you an overview for a typical connect. Yeah, like, like Stephanie said, worship, time of teaching. And then the small groups, I, I really hope you guys will, will get this, that um, we don't give the te- people up here teaching a whole, whole lot of time, uh, so there's not a, not a chance for, as, as heavy of a chance for me to talk about how do we apply what we're learning, but we hope that's what the groups will be for. So if you have questions, uh, if something is said that you're just not quite sure about, you can come talk to me after, but a really good place to do that as well is in the context of your groups, just to ask questions about what you heard. We have everyone in here, and I know this because I've talked to a lot of you, uh, we have everyone in here who maybe grew up in church their whole life, and, and some of this stuff is really, really familiar. We have people that are just trying this out for the very first time. Uh, and so wherever you are on that, we hope that you feel like you can connect, that you can grow and learn. Um, so I want to introduce the, the study on Acts, and to do that, I want to start by having us consider a couple of stories. One of them is going to be really familiar, and one of them is going to be uh, a little more uh, dated, but I, I thought it was an awesome story. Um, so story number one, tell me if you know, this might sound familiar. Uh, young Simba has been raised by Mufasa. This sound, yes, y'all, yeah, you're going somewhere with this. Uh, he's at a little uh, canyon. Some little beasts are coming over the hill, bad things happen, and uh, yes, uh, you guys know where that goes. L- well, let's just imagine that young Simba comes up to Mufasa after this tragic moment, the one that you know, introduced most of us to death, and uh, it, was, it was very, very sad, and we're like, oh my gosh, and then what if the movie just ended, and that was it, okay? Um, that would be a little rough. Um, so story number two, this one, you know, I don't know, I, I think it's a great story. So the year is 1998. How many of you are alive in 1998? Okay, yeah, yeah. There's a couple of hands not up, so just think about that for a minute. Um, So I'm like seven years old, by the way, so I don't really remember this, but it's a famous moment. 
I'm a big basketball fan. Okay, so it's a picture of this. It's game six of the NBA Finals. The greatest basketball player of all time has, how many points does he have? 41 points. I could go into a lot of details about this. So Jordan scores on a layup, and Michael Jordan is the greatest. Just if you were curious, you LeBron fans, just get out of here with that. Uh, 18 seconds left. Jordan steals the ball from Karl Malone, another Hall of Famer. If you don't know anything about basketball, this is okay. It's almost over, I promise. Uh, Jordan has the ball. He dribbles inside the three-point line, does a crossover, maybe pushes off his defender, debatable, and then the screen just goes black, and that's how that story ends. Okay? If that's how that story ended, that would not be as fun as the truth, which is that he hits that shot, he goes off, yeah, he comes back and plays for the Wizards, but you know, that's the capstone of his career, but yes. Um, so we could go on and on with famous stories. Think about the, 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 your favorite story from growing up, maybe your favorite movie, book, whatever, and just imagine if that story just ended at a cliffhanger. Okay? That's what the Bible would be like if we didn't have the book of Acts. So that's what we're doing tonight. We're jumping into this. Acts is this pivotal moment. We've seen a lot of um, crazy things happen. Uh, and then the book of Acts continues the story uh, of, of the early church. Um, and so that's what we're focusing on tonight. So I'm going to pray for us, and then we'll, we'll jump in. Um, Father, thanks so much for a couple minutes uh, to gather around your word and to think about um, what it is that you, that you want to teach us tonight. I'm, I'm convinced that every person in this room is here uh, for a reason. Um, so I pray that you would, you would just impress that upon them, that, you, that you're here, you're present with us, your word promises that you are, um, whether we sometimes feel like that or not. And, and I know in a room uh, of new students that there's, there's a lot of stress already here. It's not even, uh, we're not even in midterms yet, but man, the stress builds, the syllabuses are all before us. So I just pray for the next few minutes that we can maybe put some of the, the worries that we walked in here aside. Um, and then as we think about how, what it is that you want to show us, that you would just come into those places, that you would, would work in us, in our lives, just to feel your presence. Uh, for those of us that are believers, to know that, that we're secure in you and that our identity is in you. And maybe for those of us who, who are new to this, and, and we, wouldn't, we wouldn't call ourselves Christians, um, I pray that those students here would also just hear something from you tonight, and that you would maybe begin something in them that might uh, lead them into a, into a right relationship with you. Um, so Lord, we thank you for this time, and, and we pray that uh, in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so what I want to have us do to start uh, the study, um, before we talk about Acts, we can't just jump into it because it would be the equivalent of jumping into the NBA Finals in the fourth quarter, not knowing anything. It'd be the equivalent of jumping into Lion King uh, 40 minutes into the movie, so, or more, depending on how you think about it. So before Acts, uh, we've seen these crazy things happen in the life of Jesus, uh, the most influential person to ever walk the earth. That's pretty undebatable. Um, that, is an that is not an exaggeration. Um, because his story is not just some story like Lion King. It's history. It really happened in a real time, in a real place, with ordinary people. So we're going to talk a little bit later about this series title, and we'll talk about each of these words. That's what I'm going to focus on tonight. Um, but it's important for us to think about that, and we'll talk about how that applies to us. So Jesus' whole ministry, as we'll see, wasn't just about giving people a moral code to live by. Yes, he talks about morals, but it wasn't much of platitudes. Jesus said a lot of things that wouldn't be cross-stitched on a pillow. Um, and he, what he came here to say was to, to not tell people, hey, get a little bit of religion in your life, and maybe, maybe God will accept you if you follow him to a certain degree, you follow him correctly. Jesus said all kinds of things that no other religion says. So take, I'm just pulling out one example. In Matthew 10, he, tells, he says, anyone who's going to follow me has got to take up their cross and follow him daily. And in the very next chapter, he says, my burden is easy, my yoke is light. So 
take up this torture device and metaphorically lug it around and follow me, but it's easy, my burden is light and following me is easy. How can those things both be true? They don't seem to be consistent. And I'll see how they can't be true, okay? Those things can't be true if Jesus was just some man. If he was just a man, his death on the cross that that the Bible talks about um, wouldn't count for us, and we'd still be separated from God be separated by our, uh, our sin. And, and sometimes in Christian circles, maybe in churches, you've heard that word sin. Sin, however, isn't just doing a bunch of bad stuff, according to the Bible. It's not, uh, it's, yeah, it's not just doing a, a list of laundry things that we think of as, oh, those are bad things and these are good things. Uh, sin is any act or disposition that's contrary to God's uh, will or his character. And oftentimes, our sin is actually manifest in idolatry, and that's a big fancy uh, biblical word that maybe makes us think of like, you know, stones that we bow down to or something or figures we bow down to. But really an idol is just anything that we, that we can't live without, that we need for satisfaction. Um, and maybe, maybe here on a campus like this, uh, maybe it's academics, maybe it's a pursuit of good grades at, at the cost of everything. And we, we've kind of convinced ourselves that maybe if I make an A, maybe if I make a 4.0, maybe I'll, maybe I'll be successful, I'll be right. If you're looking to that, to make you right and to fill what's broken inside you, the Bible says it'll never work. Um, it's, not wrong to pursue, right? it's not wrong to pursue a significant other. If it is, I'm in trouble, like I said. But um, what would be wrong is if I looked to Sarah and said, Sarah, all my hopes, everything in me is solely placed on you. For one, that's a burden she can never carry. But two, it's a burden she wasn't meant to carry. God is the only one who can satisfy uh, those longings and, and, and the brokenness that's, that's within us. But um, the important thing us to think about uh, tonight in front, that I really want you to walk out, of, walk out of here with is that the end of the story wasn't just that God chose to leave us like that, right? The gospel message is that Jesus rose from the dead after he was crucified, uh, and that validated everything he said about himself. That validated his claims to be God, and I think that there's good evidence for that. And I love uh, how just honest the Bible is about this. If you go read in 1 Corinthians 15, which is a, uh, a, a book that one of Jesus' early followers wrote, um, he, but basically, the nutshell version of 1 Corinthians 15 is that if Jesus didn't really rise from the dead, then Christians are idiots, and they should be mocked, and they should be pitied, because they're placing their hopes and faith in something that can't actually save. I don't think many other religions place uh, such a singular focus on this one event in history. So um, here's where I want us to give a little bit of a Bible flyover. Um, I thought about just talking a little bit more about it, but instead, since a lot of you guys are visual learners, I wanted to have us watch a short video. It's about a five-minute video. I think it can explain it and give you some uh, word images, I guess, and and pictures to help explain this a little better than I could. So we're going to play that video, and I'll jump back up here in a few minutes. All right. That is uh, from a YouTube channel called The Bible Project. So uh, if that was uh, compelling for you, and maybe uh, you're a person who thinks better in images, that's a really good resource. They have books uh, or videos on like every book of the Bible, Bible themes. He, they even referenced another one. So if that's of interest to you, just check that out on YouTube. They do really good work. Um, okay, so that's helpful to know that kind of stuff. The reason I'm telling you that is because, again, it's giving us a framework for what came before and then to a little bit what's going to come after and as we read the book of Acts. So um, I'm a little bit low on time already, so I'm going to skip a, through a little bit. If you've got a Bible handy, um, there's, there's some white ones on your, uh, some, some of the chairs. If you don't have one handy, um, the person next to you might have one. Uh, turn to the book of Acts. In the white Bibles, it's on page 530. Um, the ones that are sitting on the tables, it's on 530. Um, and if, you, if you're kind of new to studying the Bible, you're, you're a little unsure. Um, the large number, uh, as, you, as you flip through, the large number is the 
uh, chapter, and the smaller number is the verse. So if someone says chapter 5, verse 7, find the big 5, and then find, find the little 7 under that, and that, then you've found chapter 5, verse 7. But for, for this time, we're going to be in Acts 1. And uh, we're, doing, we're doing this a little bit different, so just so you guys know, in future weeks, uh, Paul is actually going to come teach for us next week, Paul Galloway, and we're going to get into, we're going to open in chapter 1, and we're just going to read through. He's going to be doing verses 1 through 11, uh, but today, I'm doing, like I said, I'm doing an overview of these, of these themes here, uh, and we're just going to look at chapter 1, verse 8, whereas in future weeks, we'll dig into the text pretty, on a pretty, in a pretty deep level. Um, so, uh, read chapter 1, verse 8 with me. Um, it says... Jesus is talking here. He says, talking to his disciples, he says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and Samaria, and even to the ends of the earth. Um, so that's what we're going to look at. The reason I, I chose that verse is that we get a couple, we get close to, or a couple of the words uh, in that very text. And really, 1.8 serves as a general outline for the rest of the book. So this, this call that Jesus gives his people to go to Jerusalem, that's where they were when this was said, to Judea and Samaria, that's the area around that, and then to the ends of the earth. And we'll see that happen, actually, in the book of Acts. It'll go to far ends of the known earth at that time. So that'll prove true for us as we, as we go throughout the year. Um, so ordinary empowered called. That's what we're looking at through, as we go through the book of Acts. A longer title might be ordinary people, that's us, empowered by the Holy Spirit, We'll see the Holy Spirit working th- so much uh, through the book of Acts. Uh, called to the campus, that's, that's us. We're called to be uh, ambassadors of reconciliation. We'll ta- you'll hear us talk and use that phrase if you, if you hang out very much here. So what do these words mean, and what do they have to do with Acts? What do they have to do with us? So let's look. I'm going to fly through this. Uh, let's look at the second word first because it shows up right here in our text. Uh, empowered. So it says, you receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you'll be uh, witnesses, like, we, like we've said. Um, so when we talk about what it means to be empowered in the book of Acts, we're going to be referring to the power that is given to followers of Jesus by the Holy Spirit. Uh, in a couple of weeks, I'll cover chapter 2, and we'll talk about who is the Holy Spirit, because in the Bible, the Holy Spirit is not just some ethereal force. It's a personal, it's, it's a person. It's, it has these pronouns that it uses. It's a person, not a force. So we'll talk about that later. Uh, a good definition for empowered would be uh, to give someone authority or power to do something. So after his resurrection, this is when that's, that verse was said, Jesus is telling his followers, I'm giving you authority or power to do something. Not so we can be really awesome, not so everyone will think, oh man, Christians are, are great, uh, but so that, they will, so that they will be my witnesses is what Jesus tells them. So that right there is their main calling. And there's our third word, called. They're called to be witnesses. They're not called to, all these, there's all kinds of different things that we could pursue, but our primary calling as Christians is that we're called to be witnesses uh, to Jesus and what he's done in our life. And a really simple implication of that is if you call yourself a Christian, if you say, I am a Christian, um, we are to be about the work of making Jesus known. That's our primary calling. Um, that, okay, a little bit about that word witnesses. So that's a legal term, like if you were called into before court to be a witness to something. Um, and coincidentally, that's exactly what happens throughout the book. And that's literally what Peter tells some people uh, later in chapter 4, verse 20, when he's being, he's being pressured to stop talking about Jesus. And he says, as for us, we cannot help but speaking about what we've seen and heard. We'll talk about that uh, later. Um, after Jesus uh, identifies his followers as witnesses here in 1.8, Luke uses that Greek word at least 12 more times in the book. And then he also uses the verb form a couple other times. 1.8, 22, 2, 32, 40. 315. I could go on and on with these. Do you think witnessing was important to the early church? According to this text, it was. 
So which begs the question, again, if you're a Christian, is it important to you? That's a thought that you might ask as we, as we read through this. And is, is being a witness to the change that Jesus has made in your life, is it a part of your life? And that might look a little bit different for all of us, but in one form or fashion, we're all called to that. And, and if, if you're here and you would say, man, I would call myself a Christian, but no, like, I, I don't really know how to share my faith. I don't know what that looks like. And that's kind of, that sounds kind of scary. Uh, we're not here to slam you. Uh, in most, in, in, in most uh, circumstances, it's not your fault that you don't know. No one has taught you how, so it's not your fault sometimes if you don't know, uh, in, at least in many occasions. But what we will do here at BSM is we're going to point you to resources that will help you do that. We'll talk about that a lot because that's our primary calling, according to this text, and that's what we're supposed to do, make disciples. So discipleship, this is, you'll see this all throughout the book, discipleship without evangelism is not really discipleship. It's stunted discipleship. Uh, I know that I know that evangelism is a loaded term, and again, a lot of us kind of feel a little bit icky about doing that, um, but we want to help you figure out an effective and loving way to do that because it's unavoidable. Uh, if, you, if, if the Bible is the authority for your life as a Christian, it's unavoidable that you're called to be a witness. Whether it makes you feel bad, whether you like it or not, uh, that's our calling, and we want to help you do that. And I, I promise, uh, once, you, once you get in a pattern and rhythm of doing that, you'll see how incredibly life-giving it is, not only for the people that you're talking to, but for yourself uh, as a believer. So, um, again, I'm flying through this. I'm sorry if I'm going kind of fast. Uh, as we go through the book, we're going to see the witnessing theme over and over. In chapters 1 through 8, we get the witnessing in Jerusalem. In 8 through 12, there's witness in, Jerusalem, uh, in Judea and Samaria. And then in 13 through the rest of the book, there's the witness to the ends of the earth. So that really does, like the verse we read a minute ago, it really does uh, do that. So We've covered really quick, uh, empowered and called. Let's think about that last word, uh, ordinary. Because when we were sitting down with our staff talking about that word, um, in what sense were the first disciples and the people that we read about in Acts, in what sense were they ordinary? Um, at first blush, the disciples actually don't seem very ordinary at all, depending on how you kind of view it. Um, I'm saying that because I, I, I went on Google, and Google tells me that there's been like 100 billion people in world history. Um, the internet said so, so it must be true. Um, so don't take the number very seriously. I don't know. It's give or take, you know, 10 million, what, 10 billion, whatever. Um, we're at UNT. You know, be conservative about it. UNT is conservative, right? That was, that was a joke. It was a dad joke. But, um, so out of those whatever billion people, approximately uh, 12 of them were Jesus' disciples. So that makes them seem pretty unique because 12 of 100 billion. Really call them ordinary. How can we call these people that experienced such extraordinary things? How can we say that they were ordinary? Well, they were ordinary in the sense that they actually behaved just like you and me. Do you want a specific verse for that? If you're like, oh, where did you get that from? Uh, chapter four of Acts, Luke records the scene after Peter has healed a guy who's been paralyzed, uh, and it said, it said he, he says, "There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven among men by which we must be saved." And then it says the response to that was. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. Because they had been with Jesus, they were doing these extraordinary things, even though they were ordinary people. And sometimes we kind of kid ourselves, uh, I've done this before, we kind of kid ourselves into thinking, oh man, um, I, I, would be such a much, I would be a much better Christian if I had Jesus right here next to me. I could just ask him questions. If I, uh, if I had something that I was curious about or I needed direction, I, I, I could just say, what would Jesus do? WWJD. Well, let me just ask him because he's right here. Uh, oh, here he is. And Jesus would be like, okay, take this job, date this person, do this major. And we think, oh, your life, your life will work out great because Jesus is telling you what to do. But the reality is that the disciples and their lives with Jesus in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John completely betray that notion if you read through them. 
uh, in Acts, we're going to see that they improved a lot, but before that, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, uh, they were personally trained by Jesus day after day for three years, but they were still massive, massive screw-ups. Uh, Peter's chopping guys' ears off. John's arguing about who's going to be number one. They're debating all this. Jesus is disciple, he, they ask Jesus, hey, Jesus, can we call fire down on those guys? I mean, they do some pretty crazy things. Um, and beyond the four Gospels, I mean, Paul, uh, when we, when we'll read about all about him in Acts. Paul was literally a religious terrorist. I mean, he was going around killing people because they were Christians. That's what the book says. Moses, if you go back to the Old Testament, he's whining about everything all the time. Abraham's a wreck. Jacob, uh, there's a story with a guy named Jacob and these ladies, Leah and Rachel. So if you guys know that story, uh, if you think that your love life is a train wreck, go and read that story uh, for another time, another place. Um, so, so how are these, they, they, were, they were ordinary in that sense. They were ordinary that they were just like you and me. They messed up. These guys, the disciples at least, they were walking alongside Jesus for three years and they still did all kinds of crazy stuff. Um, I think that's actually kind of an earmarker for uh, or an argument to be, there's an ar- argument to be made that that's actually proof of the Bible's authenticity and that it's true because why, if they're making all this stuff up, why would they make the main characters of the story look so awful so consistently? If you want to talk about that, I don't have time here, but if you want to talk about that later and why I think that's the case, we can have that discussion. Um, there's, there's a point in us having ordinary in the series title. but the, There are a lot of reasons why, and there's a lot of things we could point to, but one of them is if God can use broken and flawed people like this, then he can use us. Because the reality is we're broken and flawed people. I am, you are, we all are broken and flawed. We all have something broken in us. And the Bible is full of God doing this. So in closing, maybe you hear that and you think, um, you think man, I, I don't really know if I believe that. Like, I don't really know if I believe that God can use me. Um, I, you might believe that for a number of reasons. Maybe you think you're just too far gone. Maybe you think you're, you're kind of damaged goods. And man, God works with these holy religious people, but he can never do that with me. Um, can I just give you an encouraging word that if, if you have that kind of feeling, you're actually the exact kind of person that God wants to use because God does this all the time. And, and the Bible says this amazing thing that his strength and his power is made perfect in our weakness. So the only prerequisite for receiving the grace of God is to admit that you need it. And if you're broken and flawed, then God wants to work in and through you. God does this all the time in the Bible. He picks the person in society that nobody wanted uh, the second-class citizen, uh, the second daughter or brother in a time where if you weren't the firstborn, you weren't really worth a whole lot in their, in their society, prostitutes, sinners. He came to seek and save the lost, and that's the message of the gospel. It's not get yourself together so that maybe God will accept you. If maybe that's what you grew up with, I'm just here to tell you that's not what the Bible teaches. Uh, the Bible teaches that we're broken and that, yes, you need saving, but Jesus wants to do that. And if Jesus made you, if it's true that he really is God, if it's true that he made you, then he knows what's best for you. And he knows that the thing that you need more than anything else is to be reconciled to God. Reconciled is this big fancy word that Christians use that basically just means being brought into right relationship with God. And that's what the Bible teaches over and over. So sin separates us from God. But Jesus made a way to bridge that gap for us by absorbing the punishment from sin that we saw in the video. He rose again from the grave, defeating death and sin forever. Uh, and now he offers that to us. He offers a relationship to us uh, by, as a gift of grace. It's unmerited favor. All we do is place uh, faith, our trust, and our identity in him. And he, he longs to save us. He longs to save you. So he loves to rescue and redeem broken people. And maybe if you've never done that before, if you've never confessed that you're broken, that you need a savior, I don't know, maybe tonight's the night for you. Maybe you're hearing this and you're just like, man, something's resonating with that. I really want to talk to somebody about that. Please come find me after this. I'd love to uh, just have a conversation with you. Uh, and if you don't want to do it tonight, if you want to think about it a little bit, just shoot me an email, and I'll, I, would, I would love to meet up with you at some point and talk about that. Um, 
Maybe the, the last thing I'll say is maybe you're on the other end of the spectrum. Um, maybe you are the kind of the youth group kid and you're here and you're, you kind of walked in and you were like, man, uh, they're pretty lucky to have me here. Uh, I, I'm about to own this place. Um, in the words of Ice Cube, check yourself before you wreck yourself. That kind of pride and self-exaltation is the exact kind of thing that Jesus went to war with the Pharisees over. People that walk in and think, man, I'm so good, I'm so great. God's pretty lucky to have me on his team. Uh, one, one person will run from God and try to be their own God and do whatever they want. Another person effectively runs from God by saying, God, I'm going to be so good that you have to bless me. I'm going to do so many good things that you kind of owe me one, God. And if that's your mentality, you might be looking to, to Jesus as a moral leader, as a teacher, but you're not looking to him as a savior because you're effectively telling him, I'm good enough without you, Jesus. That, thanks for dying on the cross for me, but my goodness is actually good enough to make me right with you. And if that's what you think, and if that's what you're functionally believing, which, by the way, we all kind of fall into that sometimes as Christians. We, we don't like the idea that it takes an act of God, an act of grace to save us, because we, frankly, we want to contribute something to it. But the Bible comes along and says, no, you need me to breathe life into you. And I could go on and on about that. But if you're trusting in yourself, you're not trusting in Jesus. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 says it's by grace that we've been saved. It's not a result of our works, so that nobody can boast. So don't boast in yourself. Boast in Christ, uh, if that's you. Um, run to God's grace, and you'll find it there. It's God, it's God who empowers ordinary people and then calls them to be witnesses to the power of the gospel in their communities. For you guys, as UNT students, that's right here on campus. God's calling you as a witness uh, to the campus if you're a Christian. Um, I hope you'll consider joining us uh, in God's mission here at the BSM. Uh, we have various ways that we do that, but all of it is filtered again, but we know him to make him known. Uh, there's nothing sweeter than knowing God, following him, and then encouraging others to do the same. Um, if you'd like more information about like, what that looks like here in our context, you can come talk to me or Mary, it really anyone wearing one of those BSM shirts that uh, Jessica and Travis are wearing. We'd love to talk to you about the various teams we organize that because you're not meant to do it by yourself. You're meant to do it uh, together with the community. So if that sounds interesting to you and you want to hear more about that, come talk to one of us. Sorry I went a little bit long, but uh, let me pray for you just really briefly, and then we'll, we'll, you'll go into small groups. God, thanks so much for tonight. Thanks for bringing everybody here. Uh, I just pray that you would uh, go before us. And as, as we dismiss here in just a second after the song, that uh, the Lord, you would just bless our groups and our conversations. Uh, and I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.